last month on the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. This is too much. All right. I don't know what this music takes or grilling takes are, so I'm just going to, we're going to ride with it. And, and he had no idea that you were lurking with a flamethrower. And if the Sonic Truth audience finds out that I am tanking in a league, oh my God, my credibility is dead. No one's going to listen to this show ever again. Yeah, you may as well go to uh, Under the Helmet, right? <laughs> yes, that's what I was like, Under the Helmet, here I come! And our boy Ryan was like, hey man, next time you do an episode, you're going to have to ask Matt Kelly about the Sean Watson. Does he still think he needs to play in the CFL? Yeah, I have a message for your friend Ryan. Fuck you. And it's the best way to go out on a sweatpant boner. And is this the time when you think people start masturbating to the show? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Nate Liss. You can find me on Twitter at an outraged Jew. And with me, as always, is Mr. Matt Kelly. You can find him on Twitter at fantasy underscore mansion. Matt, what is happening? You sound tired. I feel tired. That was not the most enthusiastic intro to the show. I mean, you could do better. Want to try again? I, I mean, no, but yes, I guess I'll do it. Did you feel like that went well? I mean, it felt about normal, which is starting to make me think that all of them have been poor. I can I can do one more, a little more enthusiastic. No, they're usually better than that. I think the audience would agree. Contact mm. the show at Sonic Truth Pod <laughs> at Roto Underworld. Was that good to start the show? <laughs> Go ahead and start her again. Start her back up. Start the lawnmower back up. All right, I'm tilting already. Here we go. Put a smile on your face. I can't smile and say it. Take a breath. Energy. Okay. You're excited to be here, Nate. Okay. I'm going to go. Here we go. It's like double dutch. I'm jumping in. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Sonic (laughs) Truth. God. I don't know how I'm supposed to do this. (laughs) That was... Was that worse? I've never heard you be more disingenuous in my life. Uh, we should just get into the show. I don't think we're ever going to get this. You were you would be the worst actor ever. Try it again. Just be yourself, but turn the dial up. Be myself. Turn this. More amplitude. An amplified Nate Liss. Go. All right. What's up, everybody? Stop Welcome it. to no, Sonic. No, 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 no. Stop, stop, stop. No, no. You're not, now you're being an asshole. Just do the normal intro with a little bit more energy than you did the first time. I thought that was the second time. All right, here we go. No, now you're just don't be an asshole. Come on. All right. I'm, I'm trying to don't be a clown. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Nate Liss. You can find me on Twitter at an outraged Jew. And with me, as always, is Mr. Matt Kelly. You can find him on Twitter at fantasy underscore mansion. Matt, how's it going tonight? There. There. How was that hard? You weren't close enough to the microphones. It was a little quiet. It, but other than that, you nailed it. That's what we need. That's the energy level we need to start off the Sonic Truth podcast. This is not an every week podcast anymore. It's every month. This is a special occasion. It should feel special. It does. It feels really special. I now did that three times. It's a lot. It's three episodes worth. So I'm reading a book right now. It's called Everybody Lies, and it's fascinating. It's about how internet search results compared with surveys 
in some cases drastically diverge from survey data. That what individuals believe they're reporting privately in surveys is dishonest. Even though it's anonymous, they're still dishonest. The only way you can get an honest picture of what human beings are thinking and how they're acting is to study how they interact with Google. No better example than the presidency, the last presidential election. The search results showed you, uh-oh, Hillary's in trouble, but the polling data suggested she was a lock. Do you know what the most interesting stat that I've gleaned from the Everybody Lies book is? Most interesting stat? Ooh. I don't know, Matt. What is the most interesting stat? Well, they both revolve around sexuality. Yes. <laughs> Whoa, that was... <laughs> There's the enthusiasm we're looking for. Yes, wow. Yes, this is what this show is needed. Put a little life in it. Yes, you were... Woo, you were infused. Wow. As it turns out, women don't care about penis size much at all. Men are obsessed with it. In fact, searches around and about penis size by men exceed those by women, outnumber searches by women, 170 to 1. Wow. Wow. Men think it's a really big deal. Women don't care. 170 to 1. Think about that. I, I'm not sure that women don't care. I'm not sure that they don't care. They do. Actually, when they do search for penis size, guess what it's about? <sighs> okay. Well, the obvious one to me seems like it's – I don't want to jump to conclusions here. Um, well, size seems like the most obvious one, but I'm assuming it's not size, correct? Are you listening to what I'm saying? You're not listening to the show. I said when women search – for topics around and about penis size, specifically... Well, length. It's because they have concerns about it being too big. Dude, that is... Very, very, very few women go to Google and ask, what do I do with a small penis? Or just state flatly, my lover's penis is too small. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> More often than not, if they're searching around that topic, it's because it's too big and it hurts. Okay, first off, what are you going to do with it? There's not a hidden hole. It's going to go in the same place. So either don't do it or do it. It doesn't matter. There's not a, It's not like a fifth meal or fourth meal that Taco Bell claims. What the fuck are you talking about? I'm just saying, if you're worried that it's too big or if it's actually too big, then don't hit it. Quit it what i'm saying i'm trying to let the people know that if it's a problem then step away there's nowhere else to put it the point is the physical act is not an obsession like it is with men that's the whole point and yet men obsess about it constantly they think it's a big deal and it reminded me of how we obsess online over this upcoming draft class search after search after search after search which prospects will declare for the NFL draft in 2018? Why? It's a waste of time and brain power. Just like searching for information about how to grow your penis is a waste of time and brain power. Why is this this perpetual obsession? I don't understand. Someone on Twitter is following Darius Geis and insisted that he's coming out because he recently bought his mom a Range Rover. This person is stalking Darius Geis on Instagram for clues about his intentions 
to either stay at LSU or go pro next year. And it's such a trivial exercise, a colossal waste of time. Why do you need to know Darius Geis's spending habits? That's some creepy private investigator shit. Following every prospect on Instagram, tracking their spending habits, and then making assumptions about how much they have in their bank accounts. That's the other thing that was unsettling. That assumes that he didn't have money. How would you know whether he can afford a Range Rover before he went to college or not? Johnny Manziel may have bought his mom a Range Rover. No one made assumptions about how soon he would come out of Texas A&M after that purchase. Stereotyping a college football player as poor and then assuming he will come out just because you want him to come out, even though he may or may not want to come out, is the absolute heights of sports media consumption as masturbation. I mean, you could do anything with your time to help improve your Dynasty League team. And that's where you're choosing to spend it. It's creepy, right? Yeah, it's a little strange. But then again, I feel like you're the guy that goes out stalking these players on all social media channels to figure out whether or not they're going pro. I kind of feel like you're that guy. A little bit. I, I DM privately with a couple up-and-coming prospects. Oh, no! <laughs> I got some top-secret stuff going on in the background, but that's fine. You do? Oh, do tell. You I do. You can't divulge on the Sonic Truth airwaves? I can't, man, but I'll tell you what. Possibly 2019 wide receiver one. I'm telling you, we're talking right now. He's going to be the guy. I'm just dropping that right now. Who? And he'll... I'm not going to say his name yet because I don't want to. I don't want to let it out yet. He'll be on the show. He'll be on the show next year. A cliffhanger. Yeah, cliffhanger. A two-year cliffhanger. We have to wait two years for this cliffhanger to be revealed. Probably next year's season. <laughs> we'll bring him on, and you and I will talk about it off the show. But he'll be the wide receiver one. I'm betting on it. Okay, so a one-year cliffhanger by Nate Liss. What a jerk move. Hang on, baby. <laughs> Just keep waiting. But yeah, I am that guy. You're totally that guy. It's fine. So have you ever searched for more information about how to grow your penis? Oh, it's warm in here. Um, oh, no. Oh, wait. Let's go to the browser history. First off, I've got my phone Bluetooth synced to my heart. So if my heart rate ever stops, it'll just erase everything. The whole phone will melt. I no, I've never I've never Googled anything about it. Um, I, I certainly don't. Your fingers are crossed, by the way. I can see you in the monitor. I certainly don't double cross, quadruple. I certainly don't Google it or anything like that. I never have. Um, but I think all guys have. That's obviously every guy ever has thought about it at some point. There's no way you haven't. It hasn't crossed your mind once. And been like, it has never crossed my mind. That's bullshit. That is a total lie. You want to know why? Why? Because the first time. The reaction was, oh. To you thinking about it? No. The first time I was with a woman. Oh, I see. Her initial reaction was, oh. I don't I don't know how I'm supposed to respond to this. Oh. 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 Fourth one. After that moment, that Google search was never necessary. I don't think Google was around when that first took place. Well, that is true. I'm revealing my age. Yes, that is true. There was no way to query the information verse right. for more information about a larger penis. Right. When I was having my first encounters. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Did you have any luck with your searching? Uh, I never searched it. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm standing here. <laughs> Hand to God. Oh, that was a 
trap. That was a trap. Trying to set the trap. Such a trap game right now. No, I never, like I said before, I've never searched it. Um, and I did have the internet at periods of time when I probably could have. But I mean, you know, just I didn't, uh, I didn't make time, unfortunately. <laughs> You look very uncomfortable. You are shrinking on the monitor to the size of a pea. I'm just very uncomfortable right now. You look very, very uncomfortable. Uh Because you're so uncomfortable, let's talk about the mansion lifestyle. Because that seems to be a popular consideration on social media. The lifestyle topics that we discuss on this show, most notably recipes, cooking tips... When you go to the comments on iTunes, if you haven't done this yet, please go to iTunes and rate the show. The comments on the YouTube channel. Recently, I was the topic of a subreddit with over 100 comments. Thank you very much. Yes. And our cooking discussions continue to be a driving force in the conversations around this show and about this show. I mean, that popcorn recipe that I provided really resonated. The salmon grilling tips continue to echo. So I have another lifestyle tip for you today on the Sonic Truth Podcast. I don't even know what's going on right now. We haven't talked about this. This is not on the show sheet. Question for you, Nate. Oh, God. I've never Googled it. <laughs> immediately. Are you a stander or a sitter? Uh... In regards to what, Matt? When you have completed using the restroom Mm -hmm. to do the most important Mm -hmm. business, do you stand or sit when you're cleaning up? Oh. When you're cleaning up after that business meeting. Wow. Are you standing or sitting? Well, it depends on how big the business meeting was. Um, I would say... It varies for you? Well, you never know. Um, You go both ways? I don't know. I know I don't... I've never heard of this. I don't go both ways. I'm not sure. Most people are either a stander or a sitter, and the ratio is about 80-20. Most people that I've talked to are sitters. I like to do the 45 where I'm halfway in between both. No, I'm a sitter. You're a hoverer? Yes, a hoverer. Like a levitator. Wow. That's a whole other level. You're like a yoga pooper. (laughs) Yoga pooper. No, okay. So I don't want that to get out there. I don't even know what that means. No, I, I definitely am a sitter. I'm absolutely a sitter. You're a sitter. Most people are sitters, but there are a whole group of standers out there. And if you are a stander and you felt alone all these years, email the show, rotounderworld at gmail.com. Tweet us at rotounderworld or at Sonic Truth Pod. And I can promise you there are more of you out there, about 20% of the population, roughly, according to my scientific measurements, based on the big data I've analyzed on Google around wiping. <laughs> The standers know that most people are sitters, and some of them feel ashamed. Some sitters have no idea there's even a such thing as standing. Such a risky move. So risky. I am a converted stander. I was a stander, and then I realized, oh, this isn't a thing most people do. And I later in life became a sitter, and once in a while, out of nostalgia, Mm. I will stand. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've never stood ever i don't even know how that would work i would be too scared i mean okay here's a question we're gonna keep this light let's keep this light so do you do any cleanup while sitting or is a hundred percent of it taking place while standing i don't remember i'm mostly a sitter in fact forget i ever said i ever stood because this is a scary prospect there right so i was sitting recently and do you 
take it out and look at it before letting it go down? Are we are we referring to the the paper? Oh, do you look at it before you put it in the water? Wow, you tripped me out there. Um, do I take it out before? So when I when I pull it off, do you just wipe and let it fall, or do you wipe and look at it? Oh, um, I don't look until probably like till I'm like seventy five percent sure that I'm clean, so that I can see if there's anything really still going on down there. Because you can wipe forever, you know. You can just overwipe. You could sometimes you don't need to. The whole reason I bring this up is because yesterday I went to look at it and there was a chunk on it and it went flying to the right <laughs> and it stuck to the wall. Oh my God. No. But I thought it looked good. <laughs> I didn't think it looked bad. I was marveling at its consistency and its stickiness and its like perfect shape. And I was like, this is a shame to wipe this off oh but i had to wipe it off and it was convenient to wipe off because i use wipies i use moist towelettes that is how i clean after i do the big business do you use the moist towelettes or are you still a toilet paper person because the mansion lifestyle advice is arriving now we're here i'm giving you the advice right now okay well you caught me too late but here's the deal I wasn't a moist towelette user till about eight years ago. I had no idea. I grew up in a household where we just had toilet paper. Nobody knew right. about it. Nobody said anything about it. It is the most efficient and cleanest way. There's no other way to do it. If I'm ever stuck without it, it is hell. It is uncomfortable. Mm. It scratches. It's not smooth. <laughs> it's, it's really not cool. So it's uncomfortable and it's not as sanitary. It's just paper. There's no antibacterial element to the toilet paper. So it's both harsh and unsanitary. So I don't understand how anyone is still using toilet paper. If you're out there and you're still using toilet paper, please move to the Cottonelle moist towelettes. It'll change your life. I take them with me, a little travel sleeve of them wherever I go. You're on these job sites. What do you do on these job sites? I, I have scheduled my body to use the restroom before I leave my home in the morning and when I get home. I mean, honestly, like in my career of working, we're talking less than 1% of the time have I ever had to go on a job site. Here's the thing, though, and I want to ask you this counter question to you. Do you use toilet paper in conjunction with the moist towelette? Once in a while, if I suspect it's an incredibly big job. <laughs> so good. Such good wording. Then I'll move in early just so that I don't clog the sewer system. Like, I respect plumbing. I respect plumbing. I flush often uh. while I'm doing this. I'm not sitting here trying to flush four or five moist towelettes. You can't do that. Nope. Max two in the bowl, then you have to flush and then do it again. It's a courtesy flush for the plumbing. You have to respect plumbing. I don't respect people that don't respect plumbing. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. So that, that gets me to my point. See, I use I use the moist towelette like a kill shot. That's like the end all for me. So I go toilet paper till the very end. Then I go towelette at the end. And I do one flush and I care about the earth. I'm too pretentious. You clearly don't give up. Yeah. To consider the toilet paper in all but the most extreme circumstances. You clearly don't give a shit about the earth also. You know how many times you're flushing? So you're telling me you're flushing three minimum. Oh, it's awful. It's awful for the sewer system. 
and everybody starts using the moist towelettes, I don't know how the United States sewer system is going to handle it because it is a problem. In London, a giant ball of wipies clogged the city's sewer system. It was 20 feet tall. Like, that happened. They had to send somebody down there with an axe, (laughs) chop it down. I don't know how those things get taken care of, thankfully. Uh, I run a sports analytics website and a fantasy football podcast, so I don't have to worry about things like that. I don't get my hands dirty ever. I mean, if, if we can debate for a moment, I would I would strongly suggest that people take my route of toilet paper. Okay, okay, okay. okay. You know what? I think that this was one of those mansion lifestyle advice topics that we really should have been in and out on. The more we talk about it, the more I realize I think we've exhausted this topic, probably could have ejected on this topic five minutes ago. I feel like we're just getting warmed up. Don't you think we could have ejected on this topic five minutes ago? Maybe. Could have flushed it probably five minutes ago. We've been sitting here for way too long talking about this, and now my legs are falling asleep. That's that's what happens. Yeah. When you're a trained sitter, this is nothing. This is no problem for me at all. <laughs> Pull the cell phone out, right? right? You don't want to put your knees on your thighs too long. That's the real problem. Okay, okay, okay. Calves go dead. Which players in the AFC have gained or lost the most value on their respective teams in Dynasty Leagues? Well, we should start with the AFC East. Do you want to start there? Yes. Okay. Well, I will tell you, and I think we can agree here, that when you start with the Buffalo Bills, a faller, probably for both of us, and somebody that you weren't clearly as high on as I was entering this class. Yes. Say it. You know, he's probably a stander, Zay Jones. Yes! Zay Jones is a stander! Hold on, though. As we're recording this episode, Thursday Night Football is taking place. Zay Jones, four targets, four catches, 40 yards, and a touchdown. Stop. I'm telling you, right now, it's happening. This is happening? It's his Nelson Aguilar moment? Yeah. Yes. Give him two years. We'll call him Nelson Aguilar. So I, I think that of the players in Buffalo, I think we have to say Zay Jones is slipping. <laughs> That's that's all there is to say. I don't know what to say. Kelvin Benjamin's there now. I don't know if that's any better than it was in Carolina. I think Kelvin Benjamin is a riser. I think Kelvin Benjamin was doomed in Carolina to be the number two option behind Devin Funchess moving forward. But now in Buffalo, he has a stranglehold on the number one wide receiver chair. So I believe this helps Kelvin Benjamin. I think it's a boon for him potentially because Tyrod Taylor and Cam Newton have posted similar fantasy points, similar production this year, but Tyrod Taylor did it with a lot less. So I believe the Buffalo Bills will pass more with Kelvin Benjamin on the team. I think the Bills trading for Benjamin was a signal that they want to open up the offense. They're ready to become a modern contemporary offense, and it's wheels up for Tyrod Taylor as well. What about the Jets? I mean, Austin Safarian Jenkins is the biggest riser, easily. Yeah. I mean, Austin Safarian Jenkins went from outside the top 20 tight ends in Dynasty to now being a top 10 lock. I mean, no one has Austin Safarian Jenkins outside the top 10 in Dynasty. Am I wrong? No, ASJ's been great this year, and it's been... 
it's been a resurgence for him, which is nice to see because I think at some point here in the last year, he was basically waiver wire fodder. I think most people had given up on him. That's right. You know, we saw what happened with him in Tampa Bay. Everybody thought it was over. You know, we thought he was a mental case. He was having problems. Here he goes, goes to the Jets, and we're seeing a resurgence, which is nice. Well, I didn't think he was a mental case. He had alcohol dependency issues. It's a bit different than being crazy. I thought that there was some reports that came out of Tampa Bay that he was having problems with the coaches and stuff like that. And maybe it stems back oh, to alcoholism. That, yes, he was also truculent. That's right. Attitude problem, which I think stemmed from issues that he was self-medicating with alcohol. And he's a different guy. And you know, we have headshots on Player Profiler. The headshot difference from 2016 Austin Safarian Jenkins to 2017 Austin Safarian Jenkins is stark. It's two different guys. We one guy has facial hair, one guy doesn't have facial hair. One guy's been groomed, one guy's ungroomed. One guy's using moisturizer, the other guy's not using moisturizer. One guy's using toilet paper, the other guy's using moist towelettes. I mean, what do you think about Jermaine Curse out there? Any love for Curse at all? I mean, this is a great situation. Okay, we're moving on to the Patriots. Why would I want to talk about Jermaine Curse? Jermaine Curse's fantasy value is steady. It is even. It is a flat line until they upgrade the receiving core next offseason, and then he, he will be banished back to irrelevance where he belongs. Now, the Patriots, Tom Brady. I believe that the Jimmy Garoppolo trade is a signal that the Patriots have finally bought in to the TB12 program, and they believe that Tom Brady could play until he's 45 years old. This makes Tom Brady a top 10 dynasty quarterback and arguably, depending on your time horizon in dynasty, a top five option. It's amazing. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is what we've been hearing forever, and I think a lot of people didn't think it was possible, including myself. I mean, until I see him decline, he's physically held it together the same way that Drew Brees has and a few of these other quarterbacks that have aged. I just didn't think that the Patriots really believed that this guy could be here for this long. But what do you do? You can't pay Jimmy Garoppolo big money to keep riding the bench. He's a year and a half older than Drew Brees. Yeah, he looks great. And I you know, I don't see a change. So it's it's good for everybody else going forward, but it's great for Tom Brady. If if you're gonna get another five years potentially out of him, that's awesome. And I recently put a tweet out, a poll on Facebook, and it kind of goes along with this. I asked people What? Huh? You put a tweet where? Did I just say Facebook? Yeah. God damn. Mixing social medias here. I don't have Facebook. What is Facebook? What is that? Is that pre-internet Facebook? No, I think it's I think it's still here. It's lingering. Is that a magazine? I think MySpace was like pre-internet. So I put a poll up and basically asked people, okay, when you make deals, what's the time frame that you have an expectation of production with these players? When you make a deal, do you look at a two-year window, a three-year, greater than four? And pretty much everybody settled on a three-year window. So with Tom Brady, for example, it, you're going to get three years out of Tom Brady, assuming that he doesn't have some catastrophic injury as he ages and continues to play the game. But he does a good job of, of you know, keeping away from these injuries, getting the ball out of his hands, throwing it away, whatever it takes. So if your window's three years, Tom, Tom Brady's amazing. It's a great player to go after. I don't know that you're going to get the five that people think. But depending on your window, this might be a guy to go after for sure. Tom Brady has an exceptional ability to enhance his performance as he ages. He is enhancing his performance as he ages. He has found a way to implement performance-enhancing capability as he ages. Performance-enhancing. 
Nate. No, I'm I'm hearing you. Are you listening to me? No, I've heard you say it nine times. I'm... Are you there, Nate? Yes, I'm here. The show is happening in your headset. Are you acknowledging this? Is it registering? Yes, I am. I don't know what you want me to say to that. Yeah, I've got it. I'm here. Performance enhancing. Are, are, are you trying to imply that Tom Brady... How many different ways do I have to say this? Are you trying to imply that Tom Brady is doing it dirty? Is that what you're saying? The big mover in the other direction on the Patriots has to be Mike Gillisley. Mike Gillisley has been exposed this year as just a guy. He is the least talented running back on that Patriots roster, and it's not even close. And I would not let Rex Burkhead go as a throw-in in a trade. It's a false negative. I've heard a false positive. It's a false negative with Rex Burkhead. He could easily be the primary back next year. Do not relinquish Rex Burkhead because he hasn't produced this season. Now, what about the Dolphins? Jarvis Landry, right? Jarvis Landry. What's that sound that the bombs make as they're falling to the earth? I don't whistle that well, but I'm sure you can do it. Whatever that whistle sound is, that's the sound Jarvis Landry's making as he reaches terminal velocity on his way to the ground and the impact crater that awaits his dynasty stock at the end of this season. That was eloquent, was it not? No, it was well done. I, But I think the player that you and I are, are saying that teams and people want to go after, and he's the definite riser on this roster, is Devontae Parker. A guy who I think people were wondering, is he going to show it? Is he going to break out? There's no riser on this roster. This is the riser on this roster. Devontae Parker. We'll see. Oh, my goodness. With Devontae Parker, the answer is always, we'll see. There's no riser on the Dolphins roster. If there is a roster in the NFL, a team that does not have a definitive riser, it is absolutely the Dolphins. And if you had to pick one, it would actually be Damian Williams. So we're moving on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, we're not. Hold on. Hold up. Hold up. Devontae Parker, he had a game where he gets injured, one target. Other games, four catches, 85 yards. Eight catches, 76, and a touchdown. Six catches, 69 yards. Nice. No less than eight targets in any of those games. Come on. Devontae Parker's been awesome this year. Let the man play. In my opinion, he's a riser just because he hasn't. Devontae Parker was never inexpensive. He's always had high expectations. He's meeting those expectations this season. He's merely meeting them. He's not rising. Where's Kevin White? Do you not want to finish the show before midnight? I want to talk about standards. Okay, yeah, yeah, let's finish the show. I'm sorry. The Baltimore Ravens, you have to be excited about Alex Collins. You have to be. I mean, this is a free square running back in Dynasty. That's the best type of free square running back. The young running back with a history of uber production at the college level drops out of the sky onto a depth chart, was available in free agency in even the deepest Dynasty leagues, and now he's the starting back, and the coach has gone public, committing to Alex Collins as the primary back for the remainder of the season. This is very exciting. Were you ever an Alex Collins fan during his time at Arkansas? No, but you know what? I, I Boy, the Seahawks could sure use a running back like Alex oh, Collins. Oh, the Seahawks fucked up. Oh, my goodness. They had him. They drafted him, Nate. That's what I'm saying. What the fuck are they doing letting him go? To roster Thomas Rawls and Eddie Lacy. You know, it's weird, too. Who the hell made that decision in player personnel in Seattle? In the Seahawks' defense, Alex Collins' draft position was just too high. If he's not undrafted, <laughs> he's unusable. We can't use him. 
So they were smart to draft him in the fifth round. He looks like the next Mark Ingram without the pass catching efficiency. Yeah, he's been great this year. And it's it's really no surprise because, like you said, good college profile. Then this guy comes out. Oh, he was dominant. 30% dominator rating behind 20 touchdowns in his final year while sharing a backfield with Jonathan Williams. And this guy had a 1,000-yard season as a true freshman. So he has an 18-year-old breakout age. He's just good at football. There are some players that are just good at football. The reason why Alex Collins was cut by the Seattle Seahawks was fumbling issues. The overweighting of fumbling and drops as justifications to marginalize players is one of my perpetual frustrations with decisions that coaches make week in, week out in the NFL. It's maddening. As a Seahawks fan, this Alex Collins breakout has to be infuriating. Well, it's just like the Jermaine Curse breakout. I mean, as soon as they leave, yeah, the Alex Collins thing is the stinger, but I don't think any running back is going to have phenomenal success right now in Seattle, even with Russell Wilson's abilities. So in 80 carries, 80 carries, Alex Collins has 10 breakaway runs of 15 yards or more. Mm. (laughs) Without Marshall Yanda, the all pro guard that you would think would be necessary to open up the wide running lanes that an Alex Collins would require to ring up a 6.0 yards per carry number one in the NFL. But, oh, no, he's doing it all by himself. Yeah, number nine in rush yards also. Woo! Number five in juke rate. Look at all these things. Who is this guy? It's exciting. It's an exciting time if you're an Alex Collins owner in Dynasty. Just consider trading him at the end of the season because the 2018 draft class is coming. It's absolutely coming. We know it's coming. Why are you shaking your head? I Is this what we talked about at the beginning of the episode? People obsessing over 2018 class? No, I know it's coming regardless of the questionable prospects. I don't know if Darius Geis will enter. I sure hope Bo Scarborough does, based on the fact that he's now in a three-way committee, and all Alabama does is manufacture big, fast running backs to replace the former big, fast running backs. You better get the hell out of there when you have a chance. Bo Scarborough should have learned his lesson, didn't, and now he needs to get the hell out of there. I hope he comes out for that reason. The only big question mark for me is Darius Geis. I am excited about this class with or without Darius Geis. Aren't you? Yeah, it's a it's an amazing class coming in. I know we It's an amazing class. It's just amazing. I don't know about the wide receivers. We'll see at the end of the year what those dominator ratings look like, how their build looks, their athleticism. We'll break it all down throughout the offseason on the Sonic Truth podcast, but we know well in advance that this is an uber athletic class and Many of them, like Royce Freeman, are already yep. at the 1,000-yard rushing threshold before the calendar flips over to November. It's very exciting. And with every carry that Sony Michelle receives in the backfield, he converts a touchdown. <laughs> so it's just very exciting. And so if you're not a Le'Veon Bell, Kareem Hunt-level elite primary back in the NFL, then you're at risk. Uh-huh. So enjoy the Alex Collins ride, but consider trading him before he loses his job to the NFL draft. Now, in Pittsburgh, the big mover has to be Juju Smith-Schuster. He's rising, baby! Oh, my goodness. How many shows do we talk about Juju Smith-Schuster this offseason? <laughs> so many of them, and I, 
I'm still surprised there was people out there that thought Juju wasn't good. I don't even know why. I don't know why. There was we talked about this on What'd the one you talking episode. about? What you talking about? Where Juju's sophomore year versus Juju's junior year, there was a, there was a deficit in production. Sure. And I tried to lay out my personal opinion on it, which was the change in quarterbacks and the way that they were spreading the ball, whatever else. Juju was phenomenal. You have to go back to that sophomore year. Look at that breakout. Yeah, go to Roto Underworld Radio on YouTube, search Roto Underworld and Juju, and you'll see nine video clips of us discussing Juju Smith-Schuster, comparing him to Mike Williams. Yep. Because by consensus, heading into the NFL draft and after the NFL draft, it was Mike Williams is far superior to Juju Smith-Schuster, and we vehemently disagreed with that. We said they were very close. They're very similar prospects, actually. They're both top three guys. Corey Davis, Mike Williams, Juju Smith-Schuster. And now you could argue that Juju Smith-Schuster is the most exciting, most valuable rookie wide receiver. He's also the youngest. He's only 20 years old. So like with Alex Collins, if you're a Juju Smith-Schuster dynasty owner, this is a very exciting time. What about in Cleveland? Isaiah Crowell dynasty owners are not happy. He is a big mover in the wrong direction. What happened to Isaiah Crowell this year? It's a good question. I, I'm not even sure what happened to Isaiah Crowell this year. He was the talk of the town in the offseason. Everybody was picking him as the guy to, to continue, to continue the breakout, to have a successful year like he did in 2016. Things just haven't worked out for him. I mean, Duke Johnson, a guy that we both loved, is doing phenomenal in Cleveland, and he's getting more passing targets than he has before, using him outside. I'd like to see them run him a little more, but if you own him in PPR leagues, he's been mailing it in for you for the last couple weeks. I think in Cincinnati, the listeners will think, expect us to identify Joe Mixon as a faller as a big mover in the wrong direction, but I don't think so. I think that if you drafted Joe Mixon, you drafted him in the top five, and you're holding steady. You're seeing that he's now the leader in opportunity share in that backfield. You know that that team is one of the worst run-blocking units in the league, and I think most dynasty leaguers are willing to give Joe Mixon a mulligan in year one because he's also very young, one of the youngest running backs in the 2017 class. So I think most dynasty leaguers are showing patience with Joe Mixon as they should, but not with Tyler Eifert. I mean, Tyler Eifert's dynasty value has cratered. He was in the top three dynasty tight ends not long ago, and now he's a throw-in in deals. He was more valuable than Zach Ertz a year ago. Now there's a chasm between them. It's shocking. Didn't you receive a deal for Tyler Eifert one time? Yeah, let's not talk about that. AFC South, let's just go right to the sore spot. Deshaun Watson. I was very wrong about Deshaun Watson, okay? <gasps> I am living with that every day. Somebody tweets me some old frozen take from Twitter every day. Something that I sent out into the universe disparaging Deshaun Watson comes boomerang right back at me every single day on social media. And he just tore his ACL. And I'm sick about it. I am. You would think, oh, Matt Kelly's celebrating. What are you talking about? Don't celebrate injuries? He was lifting the entire offense. DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller were 1-2 in fantasy points per game. Let me repeat that. The number one and number two wide receivers in fantasy were both on the same team, quarterbacked by Deshaun fucking Watson. 
That's how good he has been. It is a tragedy that he has been lost for the season. So he is the big faller. It's not Will Fuller. Because Will Fuller's dynasty value is tethered to Deshaun Watson anyway. And we can agree that Deshaun Watson was a more valuable asset than Will Fuller. So if they're both going to fall proportionally, then the more valuable asset necessarily is falling furthest. You agree with that, right? Yes, I do. 100%. Now, Jacksonville, who's the big riser there? Or faller, but riser, right? I mean, we can say it. I mean, this is exciting. Yeah, it's Leonard Fournette, biggest riser, no doubt about it. I mean, wow. 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 I mean, if there's a running back you look at and you just say, wow, that guy, he's kind of the real deal. Fournette's a stud. We we definitely weren't the guy out there that was calling Leonard Fournette the number 14 running back in the class. That is just out of control. Who said that? I think Fusu Vu had him at number 14 overall. Why do you do that to Fusu Vu? That was a sideswipe. There was nothing on the show sheet alluding to Fusu Vu's comical... <laughs> so you say comical. ...rank of Leonard Fournette outside the top 10. And not 11, not 12, not 13, 14 Fusu. We had no intention of talking about that, but you just gratuitously shelled Fusu Vu's position. It's the same thing as people coming at you about Deshaun Watson, deservedly so. He said Leonard Fournette was number 14. It makes no sense. I talked to some pretty smart people that I really like to talk college football with. In the offseason, they said, look, Leonard Fournette's the guy. Go after Leonard Fournette. His workload is going to be insane. And to this point, he's averaging nearly 25 touches a game. And volume is king. That's a team with an amazing defense. They're going to have the ball a lot. They're going to grind the clock a lot. Leonard Fournette, man, that guy is a riser. The Jacksonville Jaguars are running the ball 34 times per game. 34 times per game. That's number one by a wide margin. I mean, their pass-to-run ratio being skewed so heavily to the run is historic particularly in today's NFL, in the modern NFL, they're running a 1950s-style offense. And it's working. That's that's the most bewildering part. It's working. <laughs> I can't believe it's working. It's not the efficient way to go with your play calling, but it's working. And it's working because Leonard Fournette is awesome. I mean, wow. 39 evaded tackles on the season a top 20 juke rate, and they're enjoying hugely positive game script. A plus 4.36 game script is number three in the NFL. The Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, the league is being dominated right now by the Rams and the Jaguars. Think about that. This is opposite world in the NFL. We have the dominator rating at the NFL level now for running backs. Leonard Fournette's dominator rating, his share of team yards and touchdowns, is 42.7% for a running back at the NFL level. That's stunning and amazing. And I'm a fan. Sorry, Fusu. I'm a fan. Now, in Indianapolis, the big faller has to be Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck may never play again. Who is the surgeon that operated on Andrew Luck's shoulder? That guy's a quack. They botched the surgery. There's no other explanation for this. The orthopedist who operated on Andrew Luck, is a quack. That's my only conclusion from this fall from grace for one of the league's best quarterbacks. We're not sure if he ever plays again. It's his throwing shoulder, Nate. It's a big deal. Well, I mean, he's his injury killed Dante Moncrief. T.Y. Hilton has been pretty... I knew you would say Moncrief's name first. If we could do real-time gambling, 
if we could do real-time prop bets on the fly during the show, I would have bet that the first name you would utter when I threw it to you would be Dante Moncrief. I mean, poor Moncrief. I mean, Moncrief is toast without luck. I mean, he doesn't exist. He's invisible. I'm such a fan of Moncrief, man. It's just so sad. His career has just been eviscerated. I feel like I'm always making excuses for Dante Moncrief and people are like, oh, he sucks. He hasn't broken out yet. Wait, what do they say? You want me to do it in the same voice? Yeah, what do they say again? Oh, Dante Moncrief sucks. He's never gonna he's never gonna he's never gonna break out. There's no breakout. He's not gonna Here's the thing. Dante Moncrief has the incredible <laughs> college athleticism. He had a good profile. He comes into the league. He came to a team that it seemed like it was gonna be a great fit. You had T. Y. Hilton who could stretch the field. They've never had a run game. They've never had an O line. And then he went from being the number two to being the number three. I don't know what the hell he is anymore. He is currently Michael Floyd. Really, he's Michael Floyd before he left the Cardinals. Everybody's going to hold him. They're going to go, oh, wait for free agency. Wait for free agency. I just don't know what Moncrief's going to do. I believe in him a lot. That's a tremendous comp. He looks a lot like Michael Floyd on playerprofiler.com. Based on the workout metrics, the college production, his size, everything, his career arc, it's very Michael Floydian. Now, looking at Tennessee... Everyone's dynasty stock is down. It's across the board because I think Derrick Henry owners were expecting more. DeMarco Murray owners were expecting more. Corey Davis owners were expecting more. Rashard Matthews owners were expecting more. Eric Decker owners were expecting more. Delaney Walker owners were expecting more. And Marcus Mariota owners were expecting more. So it's just the entire team is fading. The only player whose value has risen this year is Jonu Smith. I like Jonu Smith. I think the demise of Delaney Walker is exciting for Jonu Smith dynasty owners because he looks like a small school David Njoku. And that's exciting on a team with Marcus Mariota that you have to think in the future will eventually throw the football at a higher rate and return to their previous year efficiency, particularly in the red zone, we hope. I think it's wheels up for Jonu Smith in 2018 and beyond. He's a great throw-in candidate. If you're executing a trade in the next six months, try to receive Jonu Smith in return. Now, what about the AFC West? Look at the Broncos. Is anyone moving anywhere in Denver? Uh, God, I own him in a couple of leagues, but Trevor Simeon is moving down. Wait, you own Trevor Simeon in a fantasy league? I grabbed Trevor Simeon in a couple leagues as a third quarterback. I believe even in a league or two that you and I are in, I grabbed him as a third quarterback. Okay. Um, Opened up the year, and like most people, I thought, hey, jackpot, Trevor Simeon. You know, everybody, you can suck on it. I got a killer quarterback for very cheap. You suck on it. Wow, you're really aggressive with your Trevor Simeon trash talk. Well, I felt pretty good about him. Then I saw his picture (laughs) on Player Profiler. So... He looked great the first two games, right? 23 and a half fantasy points. Almost slow down with great. He did. He looked great. Finished number three and number four in his first two weeks. Then reality hit and Trevor Simeon sank to the bottom of the ocean like a fucking anvil. And he has not responded since then. (laughs) I mean, what do you do? Yards per attempt have gone way down in, in most cases. He's not good. He's a Northwestern alum and I don't even like him. Right. The team doesn't seem to trust them. So forget it. I love Austin Carr. Hate Trevor Simeon. Put it that way. Can I please bring up a name of a player that plays for this team that nobody is talking about? 
Literally, you want to talk about throw-ins? I've got a throw-in for you. Devontae Booker. Carlos Henderson. Oh, Carlos Henderson. Okay. What about the forgotten man, Carlos Henderson? This is a player that we talked about a bunch. This is a guy that I had in my top five wide receivers. Huge fan of him. Yak monster. I like this call a lot because Benny Fowler got his opportunity and he didn't fire. Cody Latimer has proven to be mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the NFL's quintessential bag of dicks wide receiver. <laughs> so good. And that's how useful he is. And Demarius Thomas has been executing the slowest decline and exit from fantasy relevance we've seen in the history of fantasy football. Demarius Thomas went from high-end WR1 to low-end WR1 to high-end WR2 to low-end WR2, now high-end WR3. Next year, he'll be a low-end WR3. The following year, he'll be a high-end WR4. The following year, he'll be a low-end WR4, and so on. And who will step forward into the void to fill the target vacuum as Emmanuel Sanders also ages into his early 30s? It will be Carlos Henderson. I love that call. Third round pick, and this is a team that doesn't have a good quarterback right now, so that's another thing that's insulating his value. It doesn't matter whether they have a good quarterback or not. If you're catching low target depth passes, even bad quarterbacks can execute the low target depth passes, and then you can use your yak ability to turn up your efficiency. For sure. Hasn't played a game this year. College yards per reception, 18.7, 89th percentile. 40th, you know, 40% college dominator rating, 79th percentile. The guy hasn't played yet in the NFL. This is fair warning. This is your chance to go get him. Get Carlos Henderson as a throw in if you can't get Johnu Smith. Now, Chargers, everyone's moving down with the exception of the great one, Melvin Gordon. But Tyrell Williams went from exciting riser, chase the athleticism, chase the upside, chase the ceiling. To a zero. You can get Tyrell Williams as a throw-in now. No one wants Tyrell Williams. So, of the players on the Chargers whose value has changed the most, it's Tyrell Williams. His value has declined significantly. Whereas, Melvin Gordon owners were pretty entrenched. We loved Melvin Gordon, owned Melvin Gordon in many leagues. Melvin Gordon believers weren't trading Melvin Gordon for anything other than an iron price. So his value in Dynasty Leagues hasn't increased as much. It's just that there's now a new appreciation. Now, if you're one of these Melvin Gordon holdouts, it's easier to get fair value for him in trade. That's the difference. But with Tyrell Williams, you were hoping you would hit on a big hand. And now you're holding exactly squat. (laughs) The Raiders. It's got to be Amari Cooper, right? It's all bad. The Raiders are the new Broncos, are the new Titans, where everyone's dynasty stock is falling. Amari Cooper's dynasty stock is insulated just like Melvin Gordon's because you have Amari Cooper zealots who will not allow his value to cross the Rubicon. But Derek Carr's value is in free fall. Marshawn Lynch can be had for a third rounder. There's not a lot of dynasty value on that roster for a team that a lot of people were projecting into the AFC Championship game. The collapse of the Raiders has been a stunner to me. Now, finally, who do you like on the Chiefs? Oh, man. Well, I don't think that there's much question about it at this point. Uh, Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt's got to be the riser. Coming into the year versus right now, no doubt about it, Kareem Hunt is the guy on this team. He's been... Across the NFL, Kareem Hunt is the 
most significant riser of all players. It's not even close, right? No, and that's a fact. And I was seeing something the other day that it said Kareem Hunt's been the running back one like six of eight weeks. I mean, he's been phenomenal. And most people got him, you know, middle to late of the first round because he definitely wasn't in that big five running back group. And then, you know, in that mix, you also had the Corey Davis conversation. You had the Mike Williams. You had the Juju Smith. I don't know what his average draft position was at the time, but I'd be willing to bet that Kareem Hunt was the 108, 109, 110, slightly later potentially. Yeah, very late first round. He's now first in rushing yards, first in evaded tackles, first in yards created. The beauty of Kareem Hunt is he's productive despite an inefficient run-blocking offensive line. It's the David Johnson corollary. The reason why David Johnson was so valuable is that he was able to produce all-purpose yards and touchdowns despite a below-average offensive line. So Kareem Hunt is even more impressive once you go below the surface. I think he's even better than his counting stats suggest. And his counting stats suggest he's amazing! And his counting stats suggest he's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I know that in the beginning of the year, we definitely knocked him for saying he was less athletic than Spencer Ware. But this is a definite location where tape really meant more than athleticism. Wait, what? We never said he was less athletic than Spencer Ware. We expected him to thrive in a satellite back role. By the way, that was the show earlier, so you didn't need to keep talking. But I'm glad you did because it's important to bring this up for the outtakes that we were never low on Kareem Hunt. We didn't hate Kareem Hunt. I didn't call Kareem Hunt a CFL player like I did with Deshaun Watson. Yeah. In fact, I touted Kareem Hunt's profile. I just questioned whether or not he would be used as an all-purpose back because of the presence of Spencer Ware, and then Spencer Ware got hurt, and it was a moot point. And no, I did not see Kareem Hunt leading the NFL in rushing yards after eight weeks. So Kareem Hunt's ceiling has been a surprise to me, as it has been to all of us, every single person. Do you just wipe and let it fall, or do you wipe and look at it? Oh, um, oh, um, oh, um, (laughs) you can wipe forever. I'm too pretentious to consider the toilet paper in all but the most extreme circumstances. If I suspect it's an incredibly big job. (laughs) Clearly don't give a shit about the earth. We had a lot of poop talk, man. 
Dude, that poop talk was great. People are going to appreciate that poop talk more than anything. I enjoy it too, and I think it's important for our audience's hygiene, but I wonder if we go too far. But Fuck those people. Dude, people are going to think that stuff's hilarious. It's fine. We cut it off early enough. It didn't even go on that long. What was it, like 10 minutes maybe? I like the penis size talk. That was good. I respect plumbing, and now you're holding exactly squat. You weren't eluding clearly enough to what exactly what was going on, and I'm trying to play chase on it, but I'm like, yeah, all right. Oh, oh, did you think I was talking about masturbating? They were absolutely points in the show where I looked up in the monitor and I just saw a blank stare, and that was my first inclination. Nate doesn't know what the fuck is going on. Typical, typical Nate. The Great One, Melvin Gordon. A subreddit devoted to Matt Kelly. With no influence? Just It just happened? No, I influenced it. Absolutely. Yeah, we called upon the buzzards. There was some false information, and the buzzards swooped in, identified the false information, and those comments were then deleted. Like, for example, oh, he just steals stats and plagiarizes them on his website and doesn't give credit. And then someone said, um, that's complete bullshit. It's the wrongest thing ever in the history of Reddit. Here's the link to the terms glossary. And then all of a sudden, delete. One guy goes, show me an example of when Matt Kelly said he was wrong. And then he did the thing where he said, I'll wait. Oh, nice. I like that move. And then all of a sudden you see this flood of links. That's such a power move. Right, it's just like, these people don't know what they're dealing with. Our audience are zealots. They don't fuck around, man. They're not just cruising around on the internet. Oh, no. Oh, no, they are active. They will assert themselves into these conversations, and I love it. That's awesome. It's like the special forces. You know how you go to boot camp, right, and they tell you you get your shit, right? You'll never make it, and they ask you to do things that are, just sound crazy, like listen to a... A one-and-a-half-hour show, half of which is no football whatsoever, just salmon recipes and rants about someone no one's heard of. And, and you're supposed to endure and endure and endure and endure, and you keep, for some reason, you don't quit, you don't quit, you endure, you endure, you don't quit. Then you get taunted on social media. I don't care about your fantasy team. I don't care about your fantasy team. I don't care about your fantasy team. We don't care about your fantasy team. We don't care about your fantasy team. We don't care about your fantasy team. And after a while, the audience becomes hardened. They become veteran soldiers. They become trained machines. And they went to war for you. They will go to war, but not just go to war. They will go to war and they will execute in the face of violent hostility. There's no, uh, there's no subreddits dedicated to uh, Nate List. There's not a lot of subreddits dedicated to any individual person. It's rare, but it happened with me, and it made my day. It made my week. It made my life. It felt great, man. It was the best <laughs> oh, great. experience I had on the internet reading all those comments since I discovered porn online. They have that on the internet now? I remember the day when my next door neighbor in my residence hall called me over and said, check this out. Because I didn't know what it was. I knew about email. I didn't know about the internet. I never had an ethernet hookup back home, right? We had AOL and I wasn't able to just surf the internet. I didn't have Netscape Navigator in high school. All of a sudden I had this Netscape Navigator and you can just go to Excite 
and you can just key in. Oh yeah, yeah. There was no Google back then. Like that never occurred to me. Just sex. Yeah, that never occurred to me. Except my next door neighbor, it occurred to him. Smart guy. I tell you what, man. I was reborn when porn went mobile. The other interesting thing is there was no video. I mean, video? Not on dial-up. Video? Video? <laughs> what? They were thumbnail pictures. That was what we were looking at, and they were awesome. It was amazing. Because I'd seen, like, you know, less than 100 porn magazines in my entire life. I mean, it was it was a mind-blowing experience. <laughs> I bet. For a teenager to discover porn on the internet for the first time and not have been brought up knowing about its existence, to have it just dropped out of the sky one day, it's like Aliens Landing, man. It was amazing. It's going to be like my father's line where back in my day I had to go, you know, walk up through the snow, uphill both ways. My thing will be like, you know, back in my day, porn, I had to work for it. You know, it was difficult. We had to grind. Yeah, I had like torn pages of Playboys that I had to smooth out. It was like crease, <laughs> right, through the midsection of the woman. Have you ever run across like a trunk as in like a suitcase full of porn out in the woods? No, the best thing that we ever discovered was a the pile of Playboys in a garage, like three houses down from one of my friends in middle school, and we found a way to break into the garage. Peeked into the window and saw just out in the open a pile of Playboys, and when I looked into the window and saw that, I was just so happy, and I knew those would be ours. <laughs> those would be ours. You can't stop middle schoolers from getting at a pile of Playboys. The sad thing is now, that wouldn't even move the needle with a middle schooler. No! The magazine? What is that? Can I get it on the iPad? No, you can't get it on the iPad. It's a Playboy. Then they're not interested. That's what I'm saying. Like, somebody walks in the room now, you double-click the iPhone button, swipe up, and kill it. Back then, you had a paperback porn in your hand, someone walks in. What do you do? You can't just, like, you know you can't hide it. You can't just throw it off to the side. There's no option. The game has changed, Matt. It's easier to conceal the porn consumption. Think about it. Yes. that I'd never considered that. It was. I always lived in fear. This program running in the back of my mind, sending anxiety through my body that my parents would one day find my porn collection. There is no porn collection anymore. I'm sure there's a lot of nostalgia around this, but the kids, they don't know what they're missing, man. Yeah, you know, people are just, they're not going to know what it's like just, you know, to open up that paperback for the first time, get a smell of that, you know, the print, break the spine on it, really break it in, start flipping through it. They're not going to know what it was like to have a paper route either. No, I actually never had a paper route. I did not. That we didn't have all of the trappings of modernity that the young kids have nowadays, and I think they're worse off. As every generation thinks that they were the greatest generation, that the generation ahead of them is worse off, and then that generation thinks that the older generation are just a bunch of old assholes. Yearning for a time when you had to break into a garage to find an old dusty magazine in hopes of seeing a naked woman. We were right before the technology kickoff, though. Like, our childhood was the last childhood without superior technology. I mean, look what I'm doing now. Runningplayerprofiler.com is thanks to technology. That's right. And somehow, thank you to porn. Well, except you do feel shameful. In our 30s, with daughters, we now can see the full picture, and we understand, oh, yes, so... Those women are either emotionally broken or economically desperate. 
I completely block all of that out. We could do a whole episode about this. We don't even need to do football. I could talk about this all night. Tweet out a poll on Facebook. What? What is Facebook? You're at risk. Yep. Oh, my goodness. You're excited to be here, Nate. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go. Here we go. It's like double dutch. I'm jumping in. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sonic Truth. <laughs> Scott. Uh, you would be the worst actor ever. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Sonic. Well, they both revolve around sexuality. Yes. 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 Woo, you were infused. Well, size seems like the most obvious one, but I'm assuming it's not size, correct? Are you listening to what I'm saying? You're not listening to the show. I completely block all of that out. It's not like a fifth meal or fourth meal that Taco Bell claims. What the fuck are you talking about? I kind of feel like you're that guy. A little bit. I, I DM privately with a couple up-and-coming prospects. Okay, so a one-year cliffhanger by Nate Liss. That's right. What a jerk move. Hang on, baby. Just keep waiting. But yeah, I am that guy. I completely block all of that out. (laughs) So have you ever searched for more information about how to grow your penis? (laughs) Oh, it's warm in here. Um, oh, it's warm in here. Um, it's warm in here. Um, oh, 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 oh. I don't, I don't know how I'm supposed to respond to this. Uh, I never searched it. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm standing here, hand to God. But there was some good news about these Google studies regarding sexuality. As it turns out, body shaming may not be the plague that it seems like it is becoming. Many of our deepest fears about how we're perceived by the opposite sex are unjustified. Alone at their computers, with no incentive to lie, and an inability to lie to yourself, most importantly, sexual partners reveal themselves to be fairly non-superficial and most importantly, non-judgmental. We're so busy judging our own bodies that there's little energy left to judge others. Yeah, I mean, Tyler Eifert still... Let, let, let's, let's just go on to the next one. We gotta get moving. I mean, do you have something really, really good to say on them? No, I don't have anything good to say on him at all. <laughs> That's what I I, who does? I mean, there's nothing to talk about. He's hurt, you know what I mean? There's nothing to talk about with Tyler Eifert. Question for you, Nate. I've never Googled it. (laughs) You know that Brett Hundley shot a deer hunting with Jeff Janis over the bye week. Any glimmer of hope, I'll take it. Oh, my God. Oh, all right. You're like a yoga pooper. Boy, it depends on how big the business meeting was. I don't even know what's going on right now. I run a sports analytics website and a fantasy football podcast, so I don't have to worry about things like that. I don't get my hands dirty, ever. He's probably a stander, Zay Jones. Yes! Zay Jones is a stander! 
One guy has facial hair, one guy doesn't have facial hair. One guy's been groomed, one guy's ungroomed. One guy's using moisturizer, the other guy's not using moisturizer. One guy's using toilet paper, the other guy's using moist towelettes. To implement performance-enhancing capability as he ages. The show is happening in your headset. Are you acknowledging this? Is it registering? Yes, I am. I don't know what you want me to say to that. Yeah, I've got it. I'm here. Are you trying to imply that Tom Brady is doing it dirty? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Hold up. Hold up. I think Fusu Vu had him at number 14 overall. Why do you do that to Fusu Vu? And not 11, not 12, not 13, 14 Fusu. We had no intention of talking about that, but you just gratuitously shelled Fusu Vu's position. Do you not want to finish the show before midnight? I want to talk about standards. They're running a 1950s style offense. And it's working. <laughs> oh, the Seahawks fucked up. People are like, oh, he sucks. He hasn't broken out yet. Oh, Dante Moncrief sucks. He's never gonna he's never gonna he's never gonna break out. There's no breakout. He's not gonna slow down with great Cody Latimer has proven to be the NFL's quintessential bag of dicks wide receiver what's up everybody welcome to the Sonic Truth <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs>